You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Chris Henchy is a very busy man. He loves wine as much as he loves comedy. Besides producing Funny or Die, Entourage, Between Two Firms, Daddy's Home, Tammy, the list just goes on. Let's talk to my favorite drinking buddy, Chris Henchy. Uh, I'm sitting here with Chris Henchy, good friend I've known forever. Uh, we've known each other how long, Chris? Uh, we have known each other since, I'm going to say like 1986, 87. Okay. Am I right? Uh, that's, yeah, actually you're yeah. right, because I was doing stand-up. So mm-hmm. Chris and I met, we had mutual girlfriends, and um, uh, Chris was writing, and I was doing stand-up, and he actually wrote me some jokes for one of my stand-up back in the day. acts back in the day. Um, he has since went on to write uh, Land of the Lost, uh, Daddy's Home, uh, Executive Produce Entourage, and I have uh, gone on to uh, have six people listening to my podcast. So, <laughs> But uh, I want to thank Chris for being here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, so... Let's let's talk about the the big break. Like, where did you go from? You wrote for MTV uh, for a while. And well, yeah, so I, what I, was that like? Well, I, I struggled it, a while. Yeah. Like, right. I, I had a, a, a couple of years of trying just to get on anything, and then um, Ted Demi, who has since passed, hired me to write on a live show, which was uh, called Hanging with MTV, and that was great. It was it was it. it, it I want to say legitimized the journey of trying to be a writer. And then... Um, <clears throat> was that like Colin Quinn, remote control days? Or? It was right after those days. Those guys had just gone to SNL. So those were my heroes. Sam okay. Hurt, Quinn, Spade, that whole group. And right. they had all they all moved on from MTV to SNL. So that right. was an amazing... Era. So this is post-Kurt Loader as well. Kurt Loader was there and still might be there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's... That's true. Yeah. So, give us an idea. Of, like, what's the writing room like in MTV? Because it, I it's pretty it, like, loose. It's yeah, not. Like, it's not really as like it's. I think it's a junior version of what I was going to become part of. Because um, you're like twenty six. Small. You know, I was then. I was twenty. I don't know. I was twenty eight. Twenty. Okay. Yeah, twenty eight. Right. And uh, so, and I was already getting old. Tell us some of the crazy stuff that happened well, in MTV. Yeah. You know, I think it was like. It was still a time when MTV played videos, but uh, it was, you know, you were 20, you are in your 20s, and they would basically give you an ID, some T-shirts and hats, and you can get away with, with anything you wanted. They said you can go anywhere. Like you felt like a badass. Yeah, you could, well, you can go anywhere. You can go to any club. Um, single? Single. No, I had Uh-oh. a girlfriend. Ah, had a girlfriend, okay. But she wasn't happy about it, because right. MTV was, was well, she thought I was getting too cool. But... Um, <clears throat> The fun part of it was the show where we worked on all the bands that came through. So we would write until the show, which started taking around four, and then run down to the the, the, uh, the studio. But you know, you get to see uh, Beastie Boys and oh, wow. uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and uh, Megadeth and and, and uh, you know just create just amazing uh, House of Pain. Um, yeah. I remember House of Pain playing Jump Around. I thought the cement floor in the studio was going to cave in. Wow. Just you could feel it shaking. Uh, but really just interesting, fun bands. And it was, But, you know, so for somebody who hadn't done anything creative, 
uh, as a job, it was a really fun experience. Okay. And so what's the next step out of MTV that gets you? Well, you move. So then I moved to right, LA right. and then, uh, and then luckily, uh, MTV kept me hired for another year on another show, which was a great show because it was, it was called Kamikaze and, and I got hired when I got out there and what was great about it was it was the new version of the half hour comedy hour, which was a show in a half hour that had comedians and sketches. It wasn't Saturday Night Live. It wasn't Letterman. Conan right. was happening, but it was still like, you know, it, it kept me in the game. And what was great about it was I met so many comedians that were uh, coming up around that time, like that real alternative comedy world. But uh, really, so it was like Andy Kindler, Kindler, Judy Toll, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Greg Barron, uh, Patton Oswalt. Um, yeah. You know, we used to all hang out at a bar. Uh, Jack Black was there. Stiller was getting his show going. Andy Dick. Although, you know, everybody from the mid '90s, kind of moving up, and then. Um, and then that was when a lot of the guys at SNL were coming out and Sandler and, and Spade were, those guys were coming out to do movies. Uh, so it was a really fun time for comedy. And I, you know, I, I was kind of not on the outside, but I was just kind of circling it in a good way and, and in it and my toe in it enough to, to keep with it. So fertile ground to make contacts and, and, yeah. and to pitch ideas, pitch, right? Well, not really. Right. It's just like you, it was more of the hang. You mm -hmm. know, it's like you, you, you know, you're in the you're in the group, so you, you go home and write at night and hope that somebody reads something at some point. And, and there was also a little bit like I was I was happy thinking I'm going to write sitcoms. Right. That's what I wanted to do. Most of these people were doing stand up and performing, and so my aspirations were slightly different. So it wasn't a mm -hmm. world where I was pitching them, but it, but I was happy to be around creative really funny people and i think that's helpful for whatever you're doing to be sure it sounds like a perfect like farm team like the b league mtv and you're now making connections and, and to, yeah, to, yeah. to I, get out but i was definitely the the farm team right so. okay so what's what takes you from mtv to the next uh spot because i mean in the intro i let everybody know what your your credits are which are, yeah. are pretty astounding and you're obviously a master network and uh by the way let me tell you something uh uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy was on the radio and said that Chris Henchy was one of the I funniest that. people yeah, that she's ever her. met. So yeah. I thought either she doesn't know a lot of people or there's some truth to <laughs> it. Uh, some truth to but it. She, she said that on Howard Stern. I yeah. heard that. I was listening. I was, I was very surprised. And, and um, everyone's going, who the hell is Chris Henchy? I know. Which is why you're here because everyone does know you or in, 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 in a uh, uh, six degree separation kind of way, right. whether it's through Entourage or Spin City back Spin in the City, day. Yeah, those are, those are, yeah. So mm -hmm. the MTV thing, there was a lot of years of uh, struggle, a lot of years of no hot water, uh, keep the electricity on. I did. I do remember as living California and I was living in Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes guest house. Werner Klemper. Werner Klemper. Way, yeah. <laughs> a very nice guy. Hogan. Hogan Henchy was the rent. And, uh, nice guy. Very nice guy. Okay. Barely. I was always behind my rent, but everything was fine. Uh, I did steal cable from him like LeBeau. I climbed under his house when he drove away, ran a cable under his house and watched. It was on his dime for a while. That is, that is um, so hilarious. That's a felony. Warner Clumper's guest just, house. I just admitted to a felony. Um, but, but uh, yeah, a lot of years of struggling and uh, a couple good things happened. I wrote some funny sketches. I wrote some, you know, I was always writing these around this time. And I got a manager somehow who liked me named Jimmy Miller, who was 
to this day, still my manager. He was just here in the city yesterday looking at a cut of a movie I directed. Mm. Um, so he's been my manager since 1994, so that's 24 years. Wow, that's um, Dennis Miller's <clears throat> brother. Dennis Miller's brother, yeah. Right. Uh, so that's he, so he's in show business as well. He, Jimmy's been in show business since around, he used to manage the clubs that Dennis used to go to. Okay. Um, so Jimmy signed me and then quickly, because his clientele gave me to one of his other <laughs> managers underneath him, but Jim, because Jimmy represents Judd Apatow and at the time, mm -hmm. Jim Carrey, and then subsequently, you know, Will Ferrell, and, and you know, he's a big, big sure. Jay Roach. Uh, but this was, they so also, this was, this their was, career was just beginning as well? Or they, oh, their careers were yeah. just beginning, but okay. I'm still an early guy, and I was, you know, I'm a writer and producer, but these guys, obviously, careers just skyrocketed. So, Jimmy kept me on, um, and then I got, just with friends and hanging out, I got invited to play... Uh, in Gary Shanlin's basketball game. So I, when it, you know, I ended up writing some monologue stuff. No, I ended up writing some speech stuff for Ben Stiller and uh, Jim Carrey when he was doing some Academy Award stuff. Just like, it was, I know, like, like Judd Apatow and stuff like it was charity like give Henchy throw him a bone. But that's cool because I, nice. I would think that most people listening don't realize that those like really witty funny things that seem like they're off the cuff are actually being written on so is this written live like they walk off and you're you're writing furiously and no, no, we, it's, just, it's going over to someone's house and spending okay. a couple hours and having some bits and they're obviously you know these guys are obviously insanely talented and funny you're just there helping to pitch ideas and help craft ideas or, or get something out and and it was just great training ground to help to learn how to pitch jokes, pitch ideas and concepts. And then, um, and you know, it was those kind of things that you kind of use to, to, or Jimmy, and then uh, would use to sell me like, oh, he wrote some jokes for Jim Carrey, and that would get somebody else. And so the other guy who heard that, and and uh, I met just by being around and 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 being persistent and being turned down but but trying to stay in the game and trying to outlast hollywood was was gary shannon that, yeah and okay. then and he was like oh do you play basketball i go yeah and i was oh, i was an okay basketball player but um but everybody played there david Duchovny, it was, it was a, like, it's a very it was a, by the way he's a serious baller serious right? ball player yeah, yeah he's really good it was a, it was a very interesting fun uh game and it was very uh Sacred game too, hmm. so it was. In, you know, it was very. You didn't. You didn't talk too much about the game outside of the game, and it was. So who was when there, you're invited there. to that game, is that the inner sanctum? It's I, I was just inner sanctum. Right. It's just like you. Right. You don't know who's. You know. It was just a. You were around really funny people, and you were around, and it wasn't anything more than basketball, and then some food afterwards, three pizzas and some Mexican food, and you hang out, and you you just it was just a really great hang time. So, and that was the kind of thing that put me in a world where, you know, then you just in the course of hanging out, uh, and this is classic Gary Shandling, of, you know, I, he, he has an eye and an ear. He had me start writing monologue jokes for the show Larry Sanders. And then from there, uh, I, I, and you know, you just take advantage of every, that's not taking advantage, that's, that's being thrown another lifeline. That But it was... You know, any moment I could be on that set, I was there. And then I met uh, Carol Liefer, who had a sitcom. Super then, funny writer, stand-up. Fantastic. Right. And uh, <clears throat> she hired me on her sitcom. And then it just kept kind of... So Gary, the... What's the special that came out, that just came out with Gary Shandling? 
that it blew me away. It's, uh, the, it was a Judd Apatow documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> Unreal. Actually, I, I did see you in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's... Uh, That's a hard one to talk about. One, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, everyone uh, they interviewed. Yeah, everybody... Uh, <clears throat> touched profoundly. Everybody, I think, had the same kind of uh, experience with him where it was... I mean, he was so funny, such a master, but also kind of knew, like, he just always, you know, he has a story of meeting George Carlin and giving George Carlin some jokes. <clears throat> and, uh, and George, like, being nobody in, I think, in, in, in Tucson, because George was in town, and, like, the next day, George got back to him. And I think Gary always remembered that. And so, you know, he, like, Gary, like, I think could read, you know, see these guys playing basketball and know who was working, know who was... Trying, uh, and you're and you're funny. That's well, I hope so. that's yeah. the, and then, yeah. so. <laughs> it's not total fucking charity, it's a, it's but a, no, it's not charity. Uh, um, but but I I love that documentary. What blew me away was uh, watching him go on stage at the end at the Redondo Beach Magic Club. Yeah. I think where he started, yeah. and there's Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock there, and yeah. he has his uh, he comes on with a notebook, and he just destroys it's my dog in the background. <laughs> Zero respect for recording. Absolutely. Devices. Actually, maybe I'll put him on the podcast. But yeah. uh, he destroyed. And oh, this God, is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's how brilliant he was. He yeah. was just so fucking funny. Uh, the crazy thing is he had uh, yellow stickies all around his house. Gary had yellow stickies everywhere. We walk by and just see one of the funniest jokes ever. <laughs> you just look at it and go, he just wrote that down. You know, like, one of my favorites was everybody asked where you were on 9-11. I always say, which one? I've had 27 bad 9-11s. <laughs> that's on his yellow sticky. That's, that's 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 good. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's just like you. See, I I write jokes. You write <laughs> jokes. You know, just like then you you have a good joke and then you figure out how do I weave this into a bigger, make it into a tapestry, make it into like that's, a quilt, right? Because yeah. there's one good joke. Uh, yeah, 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 all over the place. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a quick wine break and talk about what we're drinking. So, uh, Chris and I just stocked his wine cellar. He has a pretty amazing wine cellar that his wife. Brooke Shields gave him, and it's in his basement. Yes. So we just put to to get put uh, all these uh, great Burgundies and Barolos and some 2000 Bordeaux, which is a uh, the wine of the century for a lot of people. Uh, we are drinking a Poyac 2010, uh, which is uh, I try to usually match the wine to the personality. This one seemed too too uh, too fancy. You said? No, not too fancy. It's it's <laughs> big and bright. You're I more subtle. These. I bought these and I, and I don't. I, I told John, I go, yeah, for delicious. sure. I, you know, it's the old world with wine. I find a couple I like and I try to stick with them, and then I try to expand from there. And there's, and and I'm in a weird area because I have some nice wines, and then I have some wines that people come and go like, nope, nope, get it out of here. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying. It's it's, and I'm not, you know, it's it's that it's wines, it's uh, cars, it's boats. There's someone who's got a bigger boat, a bigger, sure, more expensive absolutely. Car, more, bigger but wine you have boat. a great cellar, it's, and I know your obsession is uh, Barolo because when we Barolo's, get together, yeah. we drink Barolo. And Nebbiolo yeah. reminds and me Nebbiolo of because Nebbiolo yeah. is powerful, but it's quiet. Yeah. It's See complex. Classic um, Kenji. Uh, <laughs> but and uh, you were born in 1964, yeah, Good which is uh, a fantastic vintage for Barolo. Uh, often wrote about as majestic, um, but uh, I, I love Nebbiolo also. So Chris and I usually get together and occasionally we drink too many bottles at the same too time. Many. I know my first real nice bottle of wine. What was it? 
it was a guy about Rusko. I think it, oh. so. It was probably in 1998, 99. Wow. So whatever uh, the good Italian restaurant in L.A. And I was out with some comedians, and one of them successful. Uh, uh, and it was I was just starting to the crazy thing. My my buddy and I talk about working in this business and feeling like you made it when you got a paycheck that had a, a weekly paycheck that had a comma. <laughs> Right. And it was like, oh, my God. Wow, things are good. <laughs> things are looking things good. Are good. I remember going out to dinner and seeing somebody order. It might have been three or $400 at the time. And just, just going, just thinking to myself, don't fucking lose it. Just keep cool. Don't let me see your hand shake when you drink it. <laughs> and it was a guy at Barbaresco, and I never forgot that. Uh, well, I mean, you, you've you come a long way from... I was at Toscana in yeah. Los Angeles. It's oh. still there. It's a really good Italian wow. restaurant. okay. And so. we just put away some... 2008, uh, Gaia Barbaresco, uh, in, uh, Chris's cellar. So, uh, we still have a, a, a love of, uh, wine and, Barbaresco. Uh, and, and comedy. It comes a long way from, uh, Coil and I drinking Rolling Rocks at 2A in the East oh. Village at, at 2A in, in the and, morning. And doing so, Jameson. And, and uh, Jameson. Uh, but we always did listen to some cool jazz. Yeah. When we could hang yeah. out. We, uh, oh, for sure. We did it good. So, um, some of the big, now on, on some of the bigger stuff. I mean, I know you, uh, uh, the movie. I mean, uh, so I, I kept move, yeah. I kept writing sitcoms. I created a couple of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, and then around wrote a movie. I wrote, wrote some movies, and then around '06, trying to figure out, I came up entourage. I was just trying to think how can I have a little more control in what I want to do. And it sounds like a stupid something out of a movie, but I was laying on the floor of my office, and my phone rang. And uh, it was my manager saying, uh, Will Farrell and Adam McKay are going to start a production company. And they kept thinking, who could run it? Who has a business sense? Who's social? <laughs> so all those years of being social paid off and uh, helped, helped grow the company. And they kept saying, man, my name. And finally, I said, well, why don't we just call them and see if we'll do it? And I didn't even get off the floor. I said, let me check with my wife. But that sounds great. You know, be a little bit of a struggle for the first couple of years. So we got something going, but could pay off. And I've been doing that since 06. And... My agent at the time said, don't do it because you're not going to get to write as much and you're not going to be in the writing game. I said, there really isn't a writing game. Because it was also the time when in television, reality shows were just taking over. And, and I saw the amount of, you know, the writing on the wall. The of, fucking death of television as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And it was, I saw all these sitcom writers and drama writers. Like, you, it, you know, when I started in 1996, moving to L.A., trying to get on a sitcom, which was frustrating. I think there were 45 sitcoms. 45. Oh. Wow. Each of those shows have ten writers. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's so only an industry of four hundred fifty people. Right, that's nothing. Isn't a lot. Nothing. But at the time, it's like that's that's shrunk, I think, considerably. But now with uh, all the uh, uh, other channels, the Netflixes and the Hulus, mm-hmm. it's, it, the numbers gotten a little bigger, and there's a lot more. There's some more of a demand. But anyway, I uh, started the production company, and I've been writing, I think, more, and I, you know, writing. I think the first movie that. One of the first big movies we did was The Other Guys, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. One, just a great experience with and with Will. Uh, Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home 2. So you did, uh, so, so that's movies. two movies with Mark Wahlberg. I'm a Bostonian. Three. <laughs> Three. Three. That's right. Okay. Mm. Three. So did you shoot any of those in Boston? Yes. We shot um, Daddy's Home 2 in Boston. Okay. So yep. he is a god in Boston. You know how like um, what's the uh, the the lords the the fountain where people would bring their you know cripples, 
to be healed. Mark yeah. Wahlberg has That's that kind of right. power in Boston. Like people just faint in front of him. Am I? Am I well, making sense? I think they. Um, he has that power. They don't faint because I think there's still a Boston fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Wahlberg. <laughs> like, You're not that fucking fancy. They're they're super. <laughs> they're they, they love him, but I don't think they're going to give him the fact that fainting is like. I think they want to act like yeah, it's Wahlberg. It's not a big deal. Yeah, but exactly. but everywhere you go, it's like I I, I feel bad for the guy because it's just like <laughs> you know it's just he's their common son yeah. or their common brother and yeah, he, yeah he's there and uh, and but uh, speaking of guys who love wine. Really? Oh, loves his wife. So He's got to, good taste. I got to get him on the show. We can go back and forth. Blah, blah, blah. His brother played softball with my brother. Yeah. So my he's brother so knows, like, the Wahlbergs. He has time. Uh, 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 but, yeah, he's he's got a nice... I think he's got a crazy... I'm sure he's got a crazy wine cellar. Yeah. Do you hang out and drink with him? On the uh, road, you must on, on, When we're working out... I mean, we're yeah. doing movies together. Yeah. We, we go... He, he's got... You've seen his regimen in, in the paper. Yeah. Like, it's, before. it's crazy. Um, but the crazy thing is, like, you know... At dinner, you're going to go out and have a really good bottle of wine. <laughs> so he's—I know he's got good wine. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that. So, yeah. so what are you working on now? I just directed uh, these guys, the Impractical Jokers, uh, who are crazily famous. I did a movie uh, that we shot, kind of a road picture with those guys, uh, and it should come out this summer. But we just—we're just finishing editing. But uh, yes, the Impractical Jokers. Uh, it's kind of a mythology story. It's those guys getting out on the road and doing their jokes from here down to Miami to fix a night that went wrong in 1994. Okay. Yeah. That'll be out soon. It should be, should be this summer. Yeah. Okay. Sooner. Uh, so let's uh, let's play a game. Uh, worst like, podcast. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to do the worst scenarios. Worst podcast idea. I'm gonna give you. I'll give you one. You come up with one. We just go. Mm-hmm. We'll go back and forth. How about this for a podcast? I have people on the show under the guise of it's a podcast, and then during the show, I tell them I slept with their wife. Um, no, I have a bodyguard waiting. <laughs> I said it's worst. All right. <laughs> I have to beat that. Yeah, or or, or throw throw something out there for me. Worst uh, podcast idea. Worst podcast. I like yours. <laughs> My other one, which I, I did in, in our live show, was um, I did a podcast for Alzheimer's, and the host has Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And by the way, nobody fucking laughed. No, you, just, no one's going to laugh at Nobody's going to laugh, but it's like, well, why would you hey, do I'm your host. Oh, ah, shit. Yeah, you don't Damn do it. that. Do you not see well, what's the, going on? And then the music comes in, and the, the podcast is like six seconds. So, don't do that. Six second podcast. Then, by the way, I would cut this out. Of the <laughs> okay, second second worst. Worst suicide uh, prevention hotline operator. I don't know. No, come on. You went down the bad. None of these are good. None of these are good. It's 2018. Sorry, that's fine. Uh, uh, so that's cool. So you got the movie. <laughs> Is your transition, yeah. <laughs> That's an uncomfortable transition. We'll I, I gotta get in my. Up. I do we'll have to. Uh, no, actually, we'll I, I pitched it to Eddie Pepitone and he wouldn't do it either. Yeah, no, it's, it's just like, it's, no. It's, you're going down a, a let's, road that let's people. Let's leave will, it. Yeah. So, what's the, what's the next after the movie? You're going to continue? I, 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 got, I have a script I'm writing for finishing for Will. Um, there's always other movies in development. And the tough thing with directing a movie is you had to write and direct this thing. So, I've been kind of out of 
development, like a world. Like it's so, you have to be so focused on that. So I haven't really had a chance to think of anything since about this time last year. Okay. So once I, I'll, I'll be done in like a week, hopefully, uh, and then I'll start coming up for air, thinking about the next thing. So give me some like surreal moments of being you, and I'll I'll give you. I mean, there's got to be some strange moments where you're at a party that you invited to for Christmas and there's a bunch of celebrities because you're a man of I, people, it, yeah, right? And yeah. and your wife is famous. So, like, people come up. I think you told me you were at a uh, basketball game with the Knicks and Patrick Ewing came over to, like, shake Brooke's hand and, like, yeah. say hello. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's just like, I mean, he how kept, many of these happen when you're, you're like, Holy shit. And Ewing yeah. kept turning around to talk to her and she's telling them to focus on the game. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, there's a lot of moments. I mean, I'm, I'm generally peripheral because mm-hmm. I've been invited I'm not the focus is usually, usually my wife but um, which which is your TV show that you wrote I did a um, called, show called I'm with her which so, is a great name it was fun yeah it was oh. mostly me saying I'm with her like there, there was uh, yeah I, it's it is that world where you see somebody you've seen on television since you were a kid where you're like oh right. and, and it's just kind of it's a little interesting it's, it's very interesting and very weird and for a moment uh, I, I was at, uh, Brooke and I were in Vegas, which we never go to, and there was some party, and I think we'd been together for four or five years, I forget, um, and it might have been a boxing match. Because you love boxing. Because I do love boxing, yeah. and Tyson was there, I remember Tyson being there, and we were in a, like, the cordoned off VIP area, and I have to go to the bathroom, so I leave. But because it was with Brooke, we got brought in the back way, so I didn't get like a wristband. We were brought in through the back and sure. whatever, and they were in this VIP area, which is cheesy as all hell, and I'd, I'd rather go somewhere else. But we're there, and there's boxers there that I like to meet and say hi to and, and whatnot. But uh, I don't have the yellow band, and I go to the bathroom. When I come back to pass the bouncer, I say, I'm in there. And uh, he goes, well, do you have your, your wristband? I go, no, because I was brought up to the back. He says, I can't. Come on. <laughs> I go, I got, but I'm supposed to be in there. And I got stuck out there for about 20 minutes. And then I had to say, I was married. I go, I'm, I'm married to Brooke Shields. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> go, no, I yeah, no, we all wish that, yeah. son. Go, no, good, no, good, no, good no, try. Good try. <laughs> Who's looking nice at try. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> He's like, oh, really? And, not and, Courtney Cox? And it might have been somebody like Tyson that came by and goes, oh, yeah, he's married to Brooke. And the guy just looked at me like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and lets me in. That's most of my life. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of one of these is not like the others. Well, you, I mean, you, you also know a lot of people. And I think they probably uh, uh, like hanging out with you because you're, you know, you're not part of that. He's you know. going. Thanks. Chris is pouring me some more wine. Thank you, sir. Um, but crazy moments, right? I, people. Yeah, no, it is. I, 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 I feel the same. I mean, way. you know, Obama was was interesting and, and crazy and and uh, impressive. And uh, how'd you meet Obama? Uh, we we went to a before he was president a, a fundraiser for him. Okay, but Brooke was invited to. So yeah, apparently he's a great basketball player and supposedly a really good basketball player. Really how great good. would that be? Like I know. Yeah, you know, and I blocked two of his shots. And, yeah. We got into an argument. <laughs> yeah, you know, and with Brooke, but she's, you know, she was uh, close with uh, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. Oh wow! Okay, uh, back in the day, and he invited us out to Kenny Bunkport, and uh, and I found myself making breakfast with, for George and Barbara. <laughs> 
and that was a little, that was a surreal it's, it's, moment. It's amazing how we pine for those <laughs> days of incredibly compassionate and Republicans without getting into all this. Absolutely. Well, right. he's, he's still, yeah. uh, he was the, the, well, yeah, yeah, you, you missed those days. Yeah. So next up, you have the the movie. Yeah, the movie, and then I'll, I'll start. I got to finish this other script, and then I'll I'll find some. You know, um, then I'll get back into the development. Okay, the so development. let's get back to comedy. Uh, give me your top three comedians. Oh, I don't know. Because you know a bunch, so I know a bunch. I think Farrell kills me. Right. I think he's really um, has groomed. Like when growing up, like the people who groomed me, like were, were Bill Murray and David Letterman. Yeah. Um, and I think Farrell's done that with the generation, but uh, yeah, I just was back in LA for one of Will's charity events that he does called, uh, Cancer for College. And we had a show at the, the Greek and I helped work on it and whatnot and musicians and comedians. And I saw Seinfeld and I don't think you can get any better than that. Than Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. Like, right, I, I don't know anybody who has... Like, I, I watched his, he must have done 30 minutes, and I don't think, I don't think there was a wasted word, a wasted gesture, and it felt natural, and... Oh, he's a pro. And it was, he's a master, yeah. you know, you sit there, yeah. you're like, that's, that is, like, he, and you could see him still discovering things while he's doing it, and like, I, I you know, I doing a whole thing on bathroom stalls, it's just like, like, I, I couldn't believe... I mean, I can, I can, because I've seen him over the years. Yeah. But I just watched this. This. I think older Seinfeld, I really love his new contemporary stuff. His stand-up stuff doesn't resonate quite as much with me. It seems then, then dated. Need, then you need to go see it because what yeah. I saw okay. was okay, cool. I'm, was I, like where you, I, I was like, you know, it's the stuff you think about, but it's so sh- like it's with a point to it. I'll tell you what I love. I, I can't. I could. I was like, this is you're, you're watching yeah. a master. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 that, I definitely know he's a master. Yeah. I tell you what I absolutely love. I love his interviews. I, yeah. When he does like comedian cars, drinking yeah. coffee, um, he brings out the best of everyone. He's insightful and funny. That's how it's turned. And he, so, I mean, but yeah, and he, yeah, but he just pulls it out in a really yeah. great way. Uh, for standups for me, I think still like Chappelle, is that the oh, Chappelle? Yeah, just time, yeah. kills it. Um, I still think Dave Spade hysterically funny. Spade, so I saw Spade at a do stand up over the summer, and Brooke and I were watching. And it was just again, he's just like these guys are these are these guys are another level, right? Yeah, They're another uh, oh. level. Like his stuff killed me. Yeah, um, and by the way, I've, I've, I've we've tried to talk about doing a show together and with the company and worked on ideas and stuff like that and the most joyful meetings ever. Right. Hour, half, two hours with Spage. <laughs> just bullshitting? Mostly yeah. on, mostly on, on subject, but also just bullshitting. You're just yeah. like, oh, God, this guy's, he's yeah. unbelievable. The other person I think is like, my, one of my all-time babies, Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Who had Spade on his show, uh, which you haven't yeah, seen, yeah, is, yeah. is incredible because Spade kept saying, he, it was like, this isn't a real show, right? This is just yeah. a test episode. <laughs> this is the because you can believe how, rehearsal. like, B. And then he sings a, Norm sings a cheesy song at the end to bring it all home. And uh, Norm MacDonald's moth joke is... It's one of the greatest jokes ever. Yeah. And so I actually used it as a challenge to yeah. try to create something as long, seemingly boring, but with an incredible yeah. payoff. Yeah. Uh, but that's, to me, is like almost... The, his, the, his moth joke's insane. Yeah, uh, that is... Uh, 
Uh, I have a joke that I've been working on. I'm going to discuss it off mic because it's yeah, it 27 <laughs> minutes. It's a podcast within itself uh, uh-huh. that I'll tell you about. Uh, I think I discussed Actually, a maybe bit. that might be the worst podcast idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you trying to pitch a joke for 27 a minutes. A 27-minute yeah. joke. Uh, which what this, can, this music breaks. Make sure you charge. <laughs> Yeah, there's this music breaks and uh, all, all commercials and everything. But um, I want to say thanks uh, to Chris for coming on. and uh, Thanks for bringing the wine over today. Yeah, taking some stories. Or and uh, are nice. Thanks and cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. 